podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to episode 48 of the Dishonomics Podcast. As usual, I'd like to start the show with a shout out to the subscribers and listeners from the previous episode. A man to man with my boy Anton, who's a father. So we discussed kind of like fatherhood and parenting. Quite a lot of people enjoyed that one. Plenty of good feedback. Thank you very much, people. Um, very honest conversation. Everybody enjoyed um, Anton's take. So if you haven't heard that, check it out on SoundCloud and on iTunes, episode 47. But yeah, um, for those who follow me on my Instagram, that's at Dysonomics. They saw me in the studio of two lovely ladies, um, Bola Soul, as well as Joy um, from Refined Currency. We recorded, in fact, two great podcasts, but ugh, the dev was really working though. I don't know what was going on with the system after an hour and ho- hour and a half of a fantastic podcast come to send it to my Google Drive. The file sent it in a split second. I was like, oh, hold on. This should be like a, a hundred and something megabyte file. What's going on? I come to see it was 30 seconds recording. I was like, this is wild. Bearing in mind, I'm watching it record all the way through. Record it again and then the file just could not be played. Madness. So... I have to do a contingency plan podcast, so hopefully you guys enjoy. But don't worry, I will get that podcast out to you because a lot of good information. Um, we're discussing the changing attitudes to money for for women. We're discussing um, how to invest, good tips for investment, personal finance tips, how um, personal finance and money matters in relationships, all that type of stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to get that to you guys within the next coming weeks. Hopefully if we can find a schedule that suits uh Refined Currency again. But check Refined Currency out at Refined Currency on Twitter and on Snapchat. Refined is in sugar, currency is in money and refinedcurrency.co.uk. You can see all their good articles. They've got a great newsletter and they've got podcasts, so check them out. Anyway, enough of all that. This week's podcast, episode 48, is with regards to minimum wage. Minimum wage, minimum wage. Oh, quite a contentious topic with regards to like politics and whether you're on the left or the right, all that nonsense. I don't really believe in that, but it's another day. And it affects a variety of people. We have, it's, of course, it's quite a heated debate, but I thought, yeah, let me go into it. Okay, cool. So what is national national minimum wage or minimum wage? It is a rate set by sovereign governments usually that employers, if under certain circumstances, so if you meet that criteria as an, as an employee, you cannot be paid less than this wage and it's usually um, metrified per hour. So if you, yes, let's say if it's Wakanda, Lord Tichella says, yo, nobody could get paid anything less than £5.55 per hour Wakanda. That's how it is. It was introduced in 1998, 99, I believe, and it changes every April. And why April, some may ask, because April is the beginning of the financial year so the finance people then we know about that type of nonsense so there is a difference between national living wage and national minimum wage which i'll get onto in a few minutes but the national minimum wage currently for 16 to 7 no as of april which is next month by the time you're hearing this almost well no that'll be like you probably hear it early for anyway whether you hear it in february or march yeah, within the next month or two which is april just the start of the new financial year these will be the national minimum wages for these following groups. So for if you're a 16 to 17 year old, it's £4.20. God damn, imagine working for hours get paid £4.20 for so few young G's. If you're between the ages of 18 and 20, it's £5.90. 
and in between the ages of 21 to 24, so that's usually the post-uni age is £7.38 as of the new financial year. And what's above these age ranges, if you're 25 plus, you're entitled to the national living wage, which is rising from £7.50 now to £7.83 as of April 2018. Now, what has the national minimum wage actually done? Well, it's boosted approximately 1 million workers' average pay and it's given it a rise of 10 to 15%, which is fantastic. Imagine just from a simple legislation, well, I'm sure plenty of mathematics, well, I would hope so, um, and economic theory and legal, all that type of um, malarkey was put into this. But from a simple measure, it boosts 1 million workers' wages by 10 to 15%, 10 to 15%, which is fantastic because as economic subscribers know, I've been bagging on about the stagnant um, rise in real wages and how inflation can outship wages. So that that is fantastic. National the minimum wage has narrowed the pay gap between men and women. Actually, the gap on the, um, the gap on hourly pay went from seventeen point four percent to thirteen percent in from nineteen ninety eight when national minimum wage was introduced to two thousand six. So that's another um, helping point and. If you look at the change in um, nature and usage of not um, yeah the usage of this national minimum wage usage is such a poor word for this guys sorry I'm still rattled from yesterday but anyway to kind of like um, put a snapshot in how times have changed in terms of the amount of people eligible or working under national minimum wage conditions. One in 50 people were on national minimum wage in 1999. Now it's one in 20. So that's a a very significant increase. And come 2020, um, economists believe it could be one in nine. So that's pretty pretty good. So I mentioned living wage before. Living wage is essentially a wage that is high enough to maintain a normal standard of living. I'm sure my Londoners are thinking, huh? Maintain a standard of living of £7.83. Are you bluffing? A train ride might be £7.83. You feel me? But yeah, it is what it is. Um, there is something called the National Living Wage Foundation. And their their metrics are only intended for people over the age of 18. Well, and the government is 25 plus. So... I've talked about national minimum wage and national and the living wage. What's the difference in terms of like the numbers? Well, the difference very vary depending on how old you are and where you live and which living wage you're comparing it to. Because obviously there's different living wages for different regions. For example, there's there's a difference from 45p up to four four whole pound coins between the national minimum wage for under 25s and the national living wage set by the government for 25 and older. And in London, the difference between the foundation's living wage and national and national minimum wage, or national living wage, can vary between two pound twenty five to four pound fifteen. So these measures give quite varying um, amounts, which is quite confusing and irritating. The national living wage and the national minimum wage are both enforced by HMRC. Our workers can ask ACAS, not UCAS, ACAS, which is the Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service, to kind of find out if they believe they're being underpaid. So if boss is finessing you, is giving you £2.17 and you're out here doing mad, mad slavery, you can complain. 
and all you can and, and they can help take escalate your complaints to HMRC. However, the living wild the living wage foundation digits are not set for, not fixed by law. So you might not be as fortunate with complaining if you're gonna use a living wage foundation's digits for your Wahala. So that's something to look out for. So it's always good to know what you're entitled to and what you can complain about. Now to the main nitty and gritty to the main mill. Cool. Should we raise it? Should we raise a thing? A lot of people naturally say, yeah, we should raise national minimum wage. We don't want people living on relative pennies, which of course makes sense, which is quite moral. I can understand that. Okay, cool. Hold on. I don't know what my computer is. Is on. Okay. Anyway. Should we raise a thing? Well, one of the key arguments to raising <coughs> to raising to raising national minimum wage is that it would improve our overall standard of living for the national minimum wage workers. And this is very important because this can help them counteract the increase in cost of living. As I said prior, cost of living out here, now double, double. Nigerians know what I'm talking about. Rail rail and transportation costs are increasing. Petrol prices have increased over the years. Gas and electric has increased over the years. Accommodation, so your rent and mortgage rates increase over the years. Cost of food increase over the years. But as I say, wages stay stagnant. So if your if your income is kind of remaining flat like a skateboard, kind of just trodding along gently, but your costs are going through the roof, you're losing losing more money. You have a deficit there. And how do many people kind of deal with this deficit? Credit, and that's not always great. So of course, if you increase the national living wage, the living wage for minimum wage workers, this can help increase their cost and their standard of living and counter out and counteract the increase in cost of living because you don't want people living. In, in negative situations. Another potential argument for why we should raise the national minimum wage, I know Jeremy Corbyn wanted to raise it to like £10 something in a certain period of time, um, shout out Jeremy Corbyn, uh, is to raise employee morale. Those who study business studies would have heard of like how um, how employees' morale makes a difference. And think, just think about it. Think about yourself at work or think about, even, even in relationships, when morale's low, yeah, and you're thinking, oh, look at my boyfriend, bruv. Man's, man's not even going to gym anymore. Man shaved off his beard. He's looking a bit bummy. Or maybe your girlfriend, she's not trying anymore. She's not even doing her nails. One nail's lit, one nail's chipped, it's peeling. She's putting her weight, all that Chinese and, and wine. You're not putting as much effort in. Your morale's will be low, so you're not going to be doing the same thing. You're going to reflect it, think, bruv, she ain't putting effort, I ain't putting effort. And it's the same thing at work. If your morale's low, you're thinking, I'm getting underpaid, but man's at Sports Direct, stacking all the, stacking hella shells, customers ask me dumb questions and I'm getting paid 17 pence per hour. Are you gonna really going to put in your best ability? No. No. So an increase in pay, and pay is one of the main reasons why most of us work, because if we can get paid for just chilling at home and going on holidays, I'm sure a lot of us will do that. That could potentially increase your morale. And this intangible benefit of increasing employees' morale can become a tangible benefit for businesses because if your morale is raised and you're going to put in more effort and you're feeling more happy, you're less likely to make mistakes and you may be more productive. We already know from Dysonomics that there's a productivity issue in the UK. Well, there's potential boost in economic growth as well because if now these people are getting any more money and I mentioned how one million workers are affected by um, national minimum wage 
what's going to happen generally well the more money you get the more disposable income you get the more disposable income you get the means that you can now afford to buy other stuff you could buy more goods and services and i mentioned on a few podcasts ago about different types of goods that there's certain goods that when we get more money we start to demand them more so this could be good for the economy because you've got consumer growth um consumer spending typically correlates or increasing consumer spending typically uh, correlates with increase in wages for obvious reasons. The more money you got, the more money you can spend. And this can be good because you're going to have more money circulating in the economy. And if we're buying more goods and services, that's growing for the business. And they could intend, and they can in turn might even increase their staff. Because, oh, we're getting more and more sales. Okay, let's expand. Let's get more staff, which is also good, which could reduce unemployment. Now, why should we be a bit hesitant about raising it? Well, if you increase the wages of the staff, so let's say we increase our national minimum wage to £10.50 or something, the businesses that are hiring these members of staff, their costs have gone up because they're the ones who pay the staff, not the government. Well, in some instances, yeah. So if your costs, so if your wages are going up, that means the salary that businesses are paying going up which is a cost for businesses businesses work on, t- on a very simple formula we have our revenues and the money we make minus our costs and the money we spend equals our profits well hopefully profit you could be a loss so if you're increasing the business's cost that's messing up with the ratio and that cost could be eaten to profits or making losses businesses aren't gonna be like, oh rah national minimum wages increase well that means we have to pay ourselves a bit more because we've got quite a lot of stuff in national minimum wage. Oh, okay, cool. Our profits have been eaten into. Oh, that's fine. Nah, I don't want to do that. They're likely to pass on these costs to the consumers themselves. And how they'll pass on the cost, they won't be like sending you emails, yeah, here, take that cost. Nah, they'll pass it on in in the in the form of higher prices. So whether it be a restaurant that has minimum wage staff, they might up the prices of the food or might up the service charge or something like that. So that's, that could be a potential thing why we might not want to raise it or be very hesitant on how we raise it. Because this could also le- incre- lead to the increase in cost of living because now prices are going up. That's eating into the benefits of the increasing wages that these people have um, have indulged in. So another potential reason is pretty straightforward. Potential job losses. If you are increasing the cost of labour essentially and increasing how much companies are spending on labour if they have like a significant amount of staff in and around that minimum wage or national living wage territory you're increasing their costs and a simple way to to deal with that is to make cutbacks and cut jobs job losses so let's say for example this is a wacky example and governments will likely do things incrementally but some crazy people like some crazy politicians might do things a bit more drastically. So let's say, okay, so it's currently 783, well, in a month, in roughly a month's time. If the government's like, no, 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 F it. We fill it up it to £10, £10.50. That's damn near a a 30% increase. So if, and let's say your business with 50 members of staff around that wage, um, or around that current wage, that means you're, your um and oh sorry and or let's say all your staff are on minimum wage yeah that means as a business 
your labour costs have gone up by 33%. You're likely to make a cut on staff just to kind of negate that increase in cost. And that is a potential problem. And I want to kind of just... And the CBO, which is um, in America, they estimated... In 2013, which is three years ago, they estimate um, raising the minimum wage to to ten dollars ten could result in the loss of five hundred thousand jobs. That's that's a lot of jobs, man. And another problem with this is that remember my previous podcast about income inequality, not previous, the one before last. That's saying companies are really moving away from low skilled, low labor jobs. I mean, um, manual labour jobs, which tend to dominate the minim- those type of minimum wage, national living wage types of um, um, jobs. They're looking for increased productivity, more efficiency, cut down on cost. If you're rising the, the price of these jobs, companies will continuously turn away from them. And that is a problem. And another potential issue with raising it, the minimum wage is that Increasing wages could increase the competition for these jobs. And I want to discuss this right now in terms of... The, let's get to the evaluation stage, the food for thought. A lot of people don't know this, but racism played a part in quite a lot of the introduction of minimum wages in certain countries. For example, in 1925, the minimum wage law was passed by a Canadian province of the, of the British Columbia with the intent to price out Japanese migrants out of the lumbering industry. So the Japanese migrants who will just come in to make a change and maybe send a couple a couple coins back home, were willing to work probably longer hours and for less than the people already there. Which makes sense for businesses. Like, wait, hold on. I can, you could, you'll probably work even harder. It might be even more productive, potentially. And you're getting... And it's less? Yo, 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 yo. Come take this job. So obviously, they, they use national minimum, um, minimum wage to pan that. Even, even in Australia, a minimum wage law was passed as a means to protect white Australian standard of living from coloured races. I hate the term coloured races, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Particularly Chinese were willing to work for less. Even in South Africa, during the, the apartheid era, white labour um, unions demanded minimum wage laws to be applied to all races to keep black workers from taking their jobs. South Africans were complaining about it even a few years ago. I'm sure I saw an article not too long ago discussing how laws were pricing them out of jobs. The same thing happened in the US. Um, I, um, a lot of the stuff I've read um, from Dr. Um, I'm not sure, is he a doctor? I think he might be a doctor. Thomas, Thomas Sowell, one of my favourite economists. He was discussing about how back in the days in America, like after, um, tr- um, what's it called? The unions brought in, wanted um, minimum wage because obviously the black, um, black workers were getting a lot of jobs because they were willing to work for less. Because obviously, if you increase a national minimum wage, if you set a minimum wage which is higher than what these people were um, working for, they'll be like, oh, you're not as skilled enough to get this wage, which the quote-unquote white workers were, which was quite detrimental to them. Minimum wage, increasing minimum wage, can, does come with its, um, with it, with its tricky points. That increase in competition, when you raise that, when you raise minimum wages, the increase for competition is also raised because obviously the higher the money, the more attractive it is, and that's potentially damaging for people who are already in that minimum wage um, 
region in terms of where they are currently in their careers. So we're discussing simple traditional economics which suggests an increase in minimum wage means increase in costs which means potential job losses depending on how big the increase is. However, low wage labour markets don't always mirror this entirely. There's imperfect information on markets. For those who study economics at A-level or university or even um, GCSE, you would you would remember like when there's whenever there's economic theory there's always assumptions at the beginning like zero transportation costs and perfect information perfect information is where everybody in the economy from the consumers to the to the governments to the business businessmen and women who are producing goods and services in the first place everybody has perfect information so they can make the most rational decisions possible all the time yeah because it's imperfect information between the markets these rising costs, I mean, these rising the rise in minimum wage doesn't always mirror um, job losses. There's also costs of switching in between firms. So if you carefully set the minimum wage, it won't actually cost as many jobs as um, people believe. That's why um, you see um, governments raise it incrementally rather than big wallops like that. And also... There's certain jobs that are hard to fill simply because the wages offered just do not mirror what um just not mirror um, the job. So increases in um minimum wage could help uh, boost recruitment in jobs that are hard to fill. Also, national minimum wage generates positive productivity, which can lead to reduction of working working poor without the traditional side effects. So you can reduce the amount of people who are who are working and they're poor as i said before the national front there was what 20 it was one in 50 now nah, could potentially go down to one in nine also we've got to remember where minimum wage is more impactful or not minimum wage is more impactful injuries like retail cleaning security service where manual labor is more important Look, if you look at the cleaner and security services, they saw productivity increase over the over the years of twenty five percent. Remember, I said before, get paid a bit more, morale goes up, you might work a bit better. So we've seen increased productivity amongst low wage sectors. You're more motivated. If you're getting paid below your worth, you're gonna work like that. So it's very important we look at national minimum wage more holistically. So my thing, my thing with my personal opinion of national minimum wage is that I don't want people to be living in deprivation from a moral standpoint and from an economic standpoint and just a general life standpoint because the more people that live in deprivation, the more likely they are to fall into crime and drugs and alcohol intake. We've got too many homeless people in the streets. Like We, we can't forget the people that live here. So, but I do not believe in just slapping the minimum wage to like 10, 10 pounds overnight, 50 pounds. That's going to damage small, smaller businesses. Smaller businesses. And, in, and, and members of staff in like the retail, cleaning, hotel, security services. And a lot of these people are young people or migrants who haven't got like a history of, of work experience in the relevant country, which is the UK. So we do not want to sabotage these people out of a job. So we got, but at the same time, we want to protect these people. So I do believe in incremental 
increases in national minimum wage, especially aligned with the economic climate. So yeah, that's my podcast. I hope this is quick. I don't know how long this took on national minimum wage, living wage and all of that type of stuff. Please, please, please follow on SoundCloud. Repost on SoundCloud. Let your friends know. And if you follow me on SoundCloud, don't mean you can't follow me on on Apple Podcasts and vice versa. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Give me a nice review. All you have to do is type in my name, Dysonomics, or name of my, pod- name of my podcast. Scroll down, slap five stars, preferably. But if you think it's a one, two, three, or four, drop that as well. Write a review if you've got time. You say show. It's, it's good for my stats. You follow me. I'm also on Twitter at d one Synomics, and I'm on Instagram, Dysonomics. Hello at Dysonomics for bookings and all that type of stuff. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. But yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the followers. All people give me positive feedback. I try to respond to everybody. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you listening to my podcast. And I I hope to continue to give you new and good podcasts every week. Oh, a quick shout out. Me and three of my guys, we've got a podcast called The Conversation. We've seen a a rise in social um, awareness and social commentary um, over the last five years. And quite a lot of the discussion is is um in 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 the black community, I hate even hate the term black, in African and Caribbean communities are tend to be more prevalent by women, because women just tend to speak up, which is good. And there's not really enough discussion from the point of view of black men, especially black heterosexual men. So we thought we'll give our views on issues. We took a young sabbatical, but we're back. Um we released a podcast on Thursday with regards to colorism with a pleasant young lady um Karina so I'll put a link into my podcast but yeah check us out the conversation just slap in SoundCloud or in um what's what's that thing called Apple Podcasts and you'll find us but yeah check that out thank you for listening have a lovely week god bless sports social podcast network